Um, if you um, don't know me, my name is Rezwana. I'm a research analyst within the team. I am joined on the on the meeting or on the line by my colleagues, Walter DeWitt and our colleagues from the broader research team. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Um, today, we take a great pleasure in, um, in speaking to the team at the South Africa's uh, Infrastructure Fund. The Infrastructure Fund, um, as you would know, is, was, was announced by President Cyril Ramaphosa in, uh, in 2018, in September of 2018. And the main reason for the fund is to, is to transform public sector infrastructure development and investment um, and sourcing effective partnerships with the private sector. Uh, last year, in, in around August, the memorandum of agreement was signed um, and uh, now the fund is, has been formed and is currently ring-fenced division within the DBSA. Uh, we would like to introduce our guest speakers for today. Uh, we have the, the whole team uh, on the line with us, uh, but uh, I'd like to, to make mention of, uh, of a few uh, guest speakers. So we've got Mr. Mohale Rakhate on the line. He's the, 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 the C, CIO of the Infrastructure Fund. We've got Mr. Jaco Yakos Swart, uh, who is the leader for infrastructure finance. Uh, Mr. Khate is involved uh, leading the team of experts within the fr uh, fund um, in order to meet a, lo a lot of the operational objectives of the infrastructure fund. Previously, he was a group executive of the project preparation division within DBSA uh, and holds a number of postgraduate qualifications from NYU, the University of London and the University of Limpopo. We also have Mr. Yakus Swart uh, on um, on the on the meeting today. Uh, recently, he's worked as principal on a number of transactions across several African countries. Um, prior to DBS Day, he was the senior project uh, finance specialist on the Renewable Energy Independent Power Producer Procurement Program. So that was a bit of a mouthful. And, and holds several postgraduate qualifications from the University of Stellenbosch, University of Pretoria, and uh, the University of Johannesburg. We're also joined by the broader Infrastructure Fund team. We've got Alan Ridgard on, on uh, who's head of program management, uh, Keta and Tao, head of infrastructure finance, Ahajit Drupal JJ, head of asset management and treasury. We've got Flora Marutle Similane, who's head of legal within the Infrastructure Fund team. Uh, Ms. Savene Mgobeni, uh, who's in charge of, who is a uh, public finance management specialist. And we've got uh, Shupiri Muedi, who's a lead program management, as well as Pam Ajola and project administrators, Tenjiwe Nshali and Bianca Madela. Um, apologies if I've missed anybody out. Uh, but we've got the whole team here this week, uh, available um, to present to us and to, to answer questions afterwards. Before I hand over to, to the Infrastructure Fund team and the speakers, Mr. Rakhate and Mr. Swart, I would like to remind all of our clients and attendees online, please keep, keep your mics on mute. Um, and um, you can post your questions on the chat function. Um, alternatively, at the end, we do have uh, some time available for an interactive Q&A session, um, should you like uh, to ask this uh, by unmuting yourself. So. Uh, without uh, further ado, I'd like to 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 welcome, uh, give a warm welcome to uh, the Infrastructure Fund team and uh, Mr. Rakhati and Mr. Swart, who will take over and be um, the next voices that you hear uh, for the next uh, few minutes. Uh, thanks so much for, for, for joining us today. So, 
Thank you very much, uh, Rizwana. Uh, my name is Mohale Rahate. As uh, Rizwana has just introduced, uh, uh, you know, the IF team, and uh, I'm with the rest of the IF team here. But I think how we will uh, maybe conduct the, you know, the session with your consent, uh, Rizwana, uh, is that uh, Yako will do the presentation. You know, we have a, a few slides that will present. But because the IF team is relatively new, we thought, uh, you know, each of the colleagues, and we're not that many, uh, will have an opportunity to show their face, uh, introduce themselves, and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about their background uh, so that uh, the audience can appreciate that the team has been established and uh, we are currently actually looking at projects. Uh, if you agree, we'll do it that way. And we have a way that we normally do, uh, starting with uh, Ajit, and then we'll just uh, smoothly move on the you know the alphabetical order until we come back and Yako will uh, present the few slides, and then we can Please. take questions thereafter. Thank you. Sure, that that's perfect. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Mohale. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Ajit JJ. Uh, I joined the Infrastructure Fund in January of this year, responsible for the Treasury and uh, Asset Management function. I'm formerly a banker, as well as having spent many years in the uh, alternative investment and asset management industry. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's good to be online with you. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Alan Redgard. Uh, I'm the lead or head for program management in the Infrastructure Fund. Uh, I joined the fund quite recently, uh, as early as the beginning of this month, and uh, have enjoyed my stay here so far. Uh, I'm a former civil engineer um, who's worked uh, worked my way up through uh, roads construction, uh, infrastructure construction, transaction analysis and advisory, um, and it's, uh, it's really a, a pleasure to be here this afternoon um, and look forward to engaging. Thank you, Ray. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Bianca Madela. I joined the Infrastructure Fund in March this year as Project Administrator. Thank you. Um, hi, everybody. Hi, Rizwana um, and your audience. Uh, my name is Flora Marutle Similane, and I head up legal within the Infrastructure Fund. Haven't joined in February this year. Um, I spent seven and a bit years at NetBank. <laughs> within CID. Uh, so I see a couple of familiar names and good to be collaborating. Thank you. So good afternoon, everybody. Um, thank you for the opportunity to present. Uh, as introduced by Rizwana so kindly, um, I joined the IF formally on 1st of March, but um, prior to that was in the project preparation division uh, alongside Mohale and uh, kind of grew up at EY. I'm a chartered accountant by trade. Um, ended up in the infrastructure advisory team and thereafter at REAP. And uh, yeah, it's been great to be part of the IF. And uh, so far, I think we're making good traction, but I'll tell you all about it in a bit. Thanks. Good afternoon, everyone. I am Keta Randau, um, and I am also a CA. I joined the infrastructure fund at the beginning of March, and I had infrastructure finance. I'd spent the last... 15 years uh, in banking uh, with their last 11 at uh, Rand Merchant Bank. Thanks. 
Um, I'm, I'm Victor Ngoveni. I also joined the IF just now in, in May, uh, as already introduced, uh, looking at uh, public finance management issues uh, within, within the fund. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Pam Majola. I'm the operations specialist within the infrastructure fund. I joined in January and I've been with the bank, the development bank uh, of Southern Africa for 10 years. But my trade is more uh, auditing, external auditing, consulting, governance, risk and management. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tenjiwe um, Jali. I'm a project administrator within um, Infrastructure Fund. I have been with DBSA for the past um, 11 years, um, looking after your team admin and project administration. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity to introduce the Infrastructure Fund team. Uh, so this is the team thus far. We are also, you know, busy with more recruitment. We'll be onboarding around uh, six colleagues, you know, from July and, and, and going forward. But this is really the core team that uh, is uh, in place and uh, available to, to engage with the broader stakeholders. A bit of background and formation. Um, the infrastructure fund was formally set up in October, but prior to that, Cabinet approved for it to be a ring-fenced division within DBSA, August 2019, and the tripartite agreement was signed um, in, form of, in the form of an MOA between ESA, Infrastructure South Africa, National Treasury, and the DBSA. So the value proposition for us is to apply blended finance solutions and co-finding mechanisms and instruments to infrastructure projects and programs that require partial government financial support to make these commercially viable and essentially alleviating pressure on the fiscus, uh, which is quite constrained at the moment. So the intention is to enable and increase the mobilization of private sector and local international institutional investment into the public sector infrastructure projects in a structured way. So our partners, um, of which I've mentioned the two before, is the presidency, the minister, um, and the DPWI, uh, responsible for infrastructure South Africa, and then the departments and public sector organs, um, together with the private sector, um, who we tend to partner with both from a funding and capacity, implementation capacity perspective. So the objective is to create um, a sustainable infrastructure development ecosystem, ideally which will lead to projects becoming bankable and for us then to accelerate and scale up the catalytic infrastructure development implementation thereof um, by crowding in private sector participation and driving the socio-economic development objectives of the country. So I mentioned ESA, so Infrastructure South Africa, um, which was formed under DPWI, essentially is responsible for the pipeline. Um, they test factors like eligibility, inform the business plan and assess projects and move them through the development cycle up to the point where they become viable and require structuring and investment um, for implementation. The National Treasury have provided the budget allocations, and I'll touch on that in a bit, to actually fund from the fiscus um, the project implementation together with the operational costs or at least 50% thereof um, required to capacitate the infrastructure fund team. 
And then the IF housed as a division under DBSA um, uses some of the compliance, governance, internal controls, uh, processes, etc., to be able to operate um, from day one, together with uh, procurement, both capacity and um, a review capacity. So uh, to enable that ecosystem to be compliant um, and uh, pretty much clean from a reputational perspective. <clears throat> then we have an advisory committee called IFSAC, um, composed of members from both the public and private sector. So government nominees are from National Treasury, Department of Public Works, ESA, as well as the DBSA, who chairs the IFSAC committee. And then the private sector um, has been done through a recruitment and headhunting process and will be uh, formal and transparent in the process of selecting and appointing um, the key participants of IFSEC. And our objective here is to provide transparency in the work that we do, build public sector, financial sector, DFI confidence and trust in the IF, provide access to the private and public sector expertise, relationships and experience, and then promote coordination within the government initiatives and alignment. Um, regarding policy and regulatory aspects that need to change or be implemented to enable project implementation and also allows representation from private and public sectors to make inputs in the working of the IF. So, um, you know, there's a soundboard, there's government alignment, there's skills and knowledge to draw on and industry best, best practice. So, um, hence the reason for establishing the IFSEC. To take you through the value chain of how we go about implementing projects, um, as mentioned before, ESA responsible for the pipeline identification as well as support for projects going through the preparation stages um, as a stage one. Thereafter, um, when viable, the IF becomes involved in the program design together with the project design. Uh, specifically around structuring and the financial aspects required for project implementation. We have some capacity both internally and externally together with the skills of the team that's been appointed um, and some real life cases on, on some of the projects that we're working for and with at the moment. Uh, and I'll touch on that a little bit later, but where after the structuring process is complete, um, we take it through the National Treasury budgeting process or the budget facility for infrastructure. Um, it is quite a, a rigorous process where evaluation is done by National Treasury and outside expertise um, to test whether these projects are viable and are essentially eligible to receive um, fiscus funding. In stage four, once the BFI process um, is completed and approval is received by Parliament, we would then take the project through the procurement uh, stages. So the IF or the owners of the project can uh, do pr procurement with the IF having a no objection and review of um, if owners do the, the procurement under their own capacity. And uh, once procured, the IF will then provide funding on a blended finance basis for the project's implementation, um, where after the concessionaire owner will, will operate and maintain. Um, and 
for which in stage six, the IF will still be um, responsible for monitoring and evaluating uh, successes and objectives if they are achieved along the way. So as mentioned earlier, um, in the 2021 budget review, the IF was uh, mentioned as part of the, a key element for the economic recovery plan and um, you know, harnessing skills and capacity from the private sector to improve the quality of planning, speed of delivery, reducing the cost of infrastructure, and in turn, uh, contributing to the growth of the economy and, and increased productivity. So 18 billion um, has been made, made available in the medium term expenditure framework, of which 4 billion is in this year. Um, the in-year adjusted budgets and thereafter in the MTF 6 and 8 billion um, to be, I guess, provided for as and when the applications are approved. And so once the budget allocations uh, become available, um, the role of the IF is to blend the Fiscus funding together with um, other sources of capital. So. The idea is to crowd in as much as possible um, funding capacity from private sector in the form of uh, commercial investors, uh, whether it be commercial banks, international funders or institutional investors from the asset managers and pension funds, um, supported by subordinated facilities from the DFIs, MDBs and donors that provide some credit enhancement through guarantees, tenure extensions, first loss, concessional funding, um, again blended with this fiscus capital contribution to provide a blended finance facility uh, structured to meet the nuances of each project um, as they have different objectives and uh, characteristics and then ultimately support its implementation thereafter. So a couple of highlights, um, we have an IF core team with different skills available um, that can be drawn upon. Uh, from program to financing, development, and the likes. Um, we intend to be 17 members, and I'll show you the org structure in a second. The IFSEC uh, skills that have been attracted and recruited have gone um, encouragingly well, uh, with real tangible experience and skills um, in the infrastructure sector. Um, we have a number of different programs and projects in our pipeline, and we're currently busy with um, applications to the BFI for a number of these that are due at the end of this month and again um, for the later MTF periods at the end of June. We've established a number of processes um, as detailed in the MOA and um, have diligently uh, embarked on, on finalizing these um, to be transparent in the way that we operate. We've attracted or at least um, gone on roadshow to about 30 different local international funders and the objective here was to promote the IF and gain, gaining confidence in the activities that we are busy with. Uh, and positively received some good media coverage for the IF and its establishment, um, as well as articulating the objectives that we intend to achieve. So a couple of benefits of partnering with the IF. Um, so the idea is to be able to scale 
and alleviate fiscal pressure. So we're able to arrange and secure funding with regards to projects and package them um, in a manner that programs become bankable. Um, we can secure funding on a programmatic approach and thereby maximizing private sector participating. Um, we're able to leverage on IF relationships and negotiations. So whether it's in the private sector um, and the ability to raise the required capital as well as negotiating best terms um, through refinancing mechanisms, as an example. We've got access to experts and a non-blocking team, so we can draw on international expertise, internal expertise, uh, panels of advisors, as well as an unblocking team that exists in ESA that can expedite uh, the ability of projects to secure licenses, permits, um, in a practical sense. And then risk sharing, innovation and speed, the idea is for us to appropriately assign risk to the various different parties to innovate um, instruments and funding solutions that are, are different in the way things have been done in the past. And the idea is then to enhance the speed to close and, and spade in the ground. And then lastly, just a quick sense of the team to date with Mahale as chief investment officers. We've got the four heads appointed as program management, infrastructure, finance, asset management and treasury, as well as legal, and then the capacity being built underneath for the team. Thanks so much, um, Yaku. Um, I'm not sure whether Mohali um, uh, would like to add anything to the presentation. Mohali? Um, uh, not really. I think uh, it's really comprehensive from our end. Uh, just to emphasize that, uh, you know, as a team, we are we, we are working on specific uh, programs and projects to see to, you know, implementation. So, uh, though we are new, I mean, six months is not a long time in, 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 in the life of a, uh, an entity such as this one with big aspirations, you know, to crowd in one trillion uh, ran in 10 years of investments. But, you know, the exciting part is that already as a team, we assist more with uh, the implementation side. Uh, you know, we can at a high level share some of the programs because they are really public knowledge. Uh, the, 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 both the president and the, and the finance minister, you know, announced them respectively in the SONA and the budget speech. You know, these are projects around student housing, projects in the water sector, as well as projects in the digital connectivity uh, spaces. But over and above that, we have individual projects that, you know, we, we're getting mandates uh, to implement in a, a few sectors of the economy. Uh, but in terms of the way forward, you know, we will have a a, a transparent uh, engagement, uh, you know, strategy that will implement so that uh, in the, there isn't information asymmetry amongst uh, the stakeholders. So when we are ready with each program to take to market, you know, there'll be uh, a formal engagement strategy that we implement, similar to the IPP program, uh, where formally they engage with uh, with the market on a on a transparent basis. That's all I could add at this stage, but uh, we, we, we are available as a team to take comments and questions. Thank you. Sure.
thank you. Um, so I'd like to open the floor for for questions. Um, if there are questions, uh, please uh, maybe unmute, introduce yourself and ask uh, the question. Um, or maybe even raise your hand um, if you if you'd like. Um, in while we wait, okay, I see we have have a few hands. Jones, uh, maybe you can go ahead. Uh, thank you, Reese. My name is Jones Gondo. I'm a credit analyst at the NetBank Markets. Um, I noticed in the presentation that the types of projects would see government look to guarantee sort of like the mayor's part of debt. But um, we, we, is it right to assume that that's the only area where government's willing to guarantee or depending on the project they're looking to guarantee across the capital structure of a project? Uh, it'll be good if you could clarify or just give your insights of what you found so far um, in engaging with funders around the use of government guarantees. Thank you. Uh, while we wait uh, for more hands or more people indicating that they would like to ask a question, uh, maybe a simple question from my side in terms of the sc scope of projects um, projects that you are investigated, investigating. Is it um, public sector infrastructure? Is it a blended mix of infrastructure projects? What is the scope? Um, and uh, and yeah, again, in terms of what in the same vein as what Jones asked, um, how um, how is the blending or blended finance structure going to work? Um, how, do we have examples in in South Africa where this sort of uh, project financing has worked apart from you know SOE uh, related um, guarantees? Uh, I see we've got um, a question from from Sheila. Your hand is up. Uh, please go ahead. Uh, hi, thanks so much. Uh, Sheila Galloway, Uto Capital. Um, so just in terms of uh, the structuring, will it matter whether it is the, a conventional procurement process for a particular infrastructure project uh, or a, a, a PPP in, in terms of the projects uh, that you will be looking at uh, providing the blended finance to? Okay, thank you. Uh, so that's uh, three questions. If you if you have um, any further questions, please raise your hand, or even post it on the chat. Uh, Mohale, over to you. Yeah, no, thanks very much. I'll I'll ask Keta to handle one and two, and uh, Ajith will handle three. You know the third question. Thanks, Mohale. Thanks, everyone. So in terms of government guarantees and the capital structure. So maybe let's address the capital structure because I think it's the easier of the two points. So from a capital structure perspective, the IF and in fact the, the South African government will play across the capital structure. The whole idea is that we take on the type of risks that the market would traditionally not be capable of taking on. Um, and we are innovative as far as the instruments uh, that would be used to uh, sort of take on that instrument. And, and that feeds into the fact that we're open as far as where in the capital structure we play. That said, we are not uh, excited about playing in the equity space. And by excited, I mean that would not be our go-to. 
solution. Um, nothing in our mandate precludes us from playing in that space, but we would rather not play there. Uh, so that addresses the capital structure perspective or gives a capital structure perspective as, as far as where we play. Then the more interesting conversation relates to government guarantees. So traditionally, uh, and particularly in the PPP space, and we're seeing it even in the IPP space, um, in the concession space, we've seen that uh, the funding community, and by funding I mean private capital, has heavily relied on government guarantees. We're also very aware that National Treasury is not necessarily open to issuing guarantees in cases where um, the instrument doesn't make sense for the fiscus. And, and let me explain what I mean. So to the extent that the risk can be taken on by the funding community. National Treasury is not necessarily open to issuing guarantees. So if projects can stand on their own two feet or the program uh, has a track record of being successful um, or various other instances, um, National Treasury will not be open to issuing, freely issuing guarantees as we've seen historically. And so one of the infrastructure funds task working alongside the likes of NetBank and the rest of the funding community is to come up with innovative ways of boxing this risk um, where we're not necessarily turning to National Treasury to underpin some of these risks. Obviously, there are instances where you cannot, um, from a risk sharing perspective um, and risk allocation perspective, there are some instances where you just cannot get away from uh, NT guarantee, and, those, and in those instances, we will lobby for a guarantee. But the underlying response is that uh, the days of the guarantee being the go-to instrument to make deals bankable are behind us. So that relates to the first question. And and yeah, maybe just to sum that up, we're looking to work very closely with the private capital providers to come up with solutions that give you a similar comfort. Then as far as scope of project is concerned, uh, we will look at projects and, and maybe let me answer the, the, the second part of the question first. Blended financing is not a new concept per se, and particularly in South Africa. So if you look at traditional PPPs and even what's happened in the IPP space, that is a form of blended financing where you use government funds uh, or some form of fiscus um, uh, funding to leverage, to crowd in, to mobilize private capital. Um, blended financing is the use of the two, private and public funding, to make projects happen. And so we've seen that in various forms for many decades in the South African space. Uh, we're just formalizing it and extending it beyond the IPP, triple P framework. Um, that's the slight difference that is, that's happening. So, yes, we've got a track record of successfully doing this within our own country. 
and our understanding is uh, blended financing is now very topical uh, globally and we will see the instrument or the methodology the mechanism being leveraged more now than um, ever before so then that brings us to the scope of the projects we are primarily in place to help um government entities and let's call them organs of states be the uh, be it departments municipalities soes etc etc we are currently been put in place to help these organs of state to get their projects to bankability. So we are bringing the skills, the expertise to help um, with the commercial case. Um, we're trying to do this as fast as possible. So speed to close, as Yako alluded to, is, is one of our um, key deliverables. The other is crowding in as much private sector funding as possible. And so we will be structuring these transactions such that they are palatable, not just to the tra uh, traditional infrastructure players like, say, a net bank, but we're also trying to cast the net wider. We're, we're looking to attract more international funding. We're looking to tap into the various pools of capital that sit within say our pension funds particularly in south africa asset managers and so forth and then the last thing is we're trying to do this as cost effectively as possible so the whole idea is to save the fiscus money and and so the scope of our projects have to have some sort of government element uh, we don't look at pure private type projects um and then maybe just to quickly close off and i suspect this will help answer a couple of other questions from from a scope perspective maybe also worth touching on the sectors that we would typically look at so we would look at energy to the extent that it doesn't fall within the ipp officer's mandate we would also look at water and sanitation uh would look at transport communications human settlements agriculture and agro-processing uh, we're also keen to get involved in health, um, education, and municipal infrastructure. And and so that rounds up, and, and hopefully I've given you a holistic answer as far as um, our scope and where in the capital structure we're keen to play, but more importantly, government's attitude when it comes to the issuance of guarantees. Thanks. Sheila, thank you for your questions around the use of uh, 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 PPPs and, and conventional procurements. Um, I think um, a comment on, on PPPs. We, we haven't seen as many PPPs as we would have liked to have seen come through the, the infrastructure ecosystem, and, and that has been uh, the case for, uh, for many reasons. Um, and I think that the PPP model, uh, there is, there's huge merit in it, but whatever the frustrations or bottlenecks around the PPP program um, exist, I think we need to, to revisit that. In relation to conventional procurement, um, I'm not sure what your, your, your guidance is around what you perceive as being conventional procurement, but the procurement process, um, generally speaking, has to be underpinned by transparency, value for money, um, and economic uh, sustainability. Um, perhaps I can pause here for a minute just to talk very briefly and high level as to Infrastructure South Africa's uh, 
pipeline identification process and appraisal process. So Infrastructure South Africa is uh, chaired by Dr. Ramakopa, um, and uh, it is, it's got a few technical working groups, and as part of those technical working groups, in assessing a project, they will embark on what is known as the five-case model. The five-case model, we understand, has been used successfully in the uh, UK in their infrastructure office in large-scale infrastructure delivery, and that touches on some of the elements that I've just highlighted, namely uh, value for money, sustainability, economic creation, etc. Um, and that feeds into the conversation around procurement. Now, I think it's public knowledge that you know, procurement, um, particularly in large-scale infrastructure, has been not executed to the best that it could be. Uh, I think there's a few crinkles that we can iron out. So conventional procurement has been part of the reason for the bottleneck of, of infrastructure pro, uh, delivery in the country. So as the infrastructure fund, our intention is to use what has worked from uh, the transparent procurement processes where one goes through a rigorous uh, a selection criteria in accordance with the tenders that, that, that are published and that there is at the, at the end of the day value for money for the uh, uh, specific project. Um, we've also got internally within the infrastructure fund a program, a program management unit which is headed up by my colleague Alan and part of that also includes making sure that the procurement that uh, one uh, is funding is actually in line with a program or a project that, that has been um, subjected to the infrastructure fund uh, processes. Uh, Sheila, I'm not sure if I have answered your question or if, the, if you need any further clarification is required. Yeah. Maybe I can add there, Ajith. Thank you, on the, on, the, on the question from Sheila. Thank you. Uh, indeed, I mean, Triple P's will look at, uh, in fact, in our pipeline, we have one of the Triple P uh, projects, you know, which we may not mention. Uh, so definitely would we'll look at, uh, you know, triple P's as part of the pipeline uh, and look at how innovatively they are structured uh, in such a way that they attract a wider pool of funding. So that could be one element and also maybe reducing, uh, you know, government, uh, you know, requirement for, for guarantees, you know. Uh, looking at uh, innovative structures that Keta referred to. So that would be one element. But also, I mean, at the core of the IF is the idea of, uh, you know, catalyzing uh, private sector financing or non-government financing in order to scale up infrastructure uh, development. And to that end, you need to create structures that allow for that to happen. You know, it may be triple P's. It could be, you know, uh, variations of triple P's like we have in the IPP programs. It could be concessions. Yeah, so it's a, it's, it's a much wider uh, variety of models that we will look at testing. And in reality, that's what we are looking at. I mean, at, uh, some of the projects that are, are in our pipeline advanced for, for approval. Yeah, so it's wider than that. It, it's, it, it, it wouldn't largely be, uh, you know, on balance sheet. It would be structured, structures outside, you know, balance sheet, on balance sheet, uh, you know, funding of projects. 
you know, looking at uh, uh, you know crowding in private sector participation at both you know uh, development as developers, but also obviously on the on the financing structures. Credit enhanced by you know the hundred billion that is earmarked over the ten years from government. Thank you, uh, Thank, thanks, thanks very much. Appreciate that the, uh, the feedback. Um, yes, you you did answer my question and you, correctly. Um, yeah, there's not too many PPPs coming to market. However, there are a number of PPPs in the pipeline uh, that actually do have funding gaps um, and and have issues around affordability, and those might be ones that could be earmarked for the fund because they're already on the table uh, at National Treasury. Oh, great. In fact, uh, we have had engagements with the triple P unit, and uh, we do have a few in the pipeline, um, you know, and they were identified on those bases. Yeah. It's a good point, Ashina. Over to you, Rizan. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Asi. We've got uh, two more hands up. So, Walter and then uh, Avi, in terms of your questions. Thanks so much, um, Rizwana. Thanks so much. Uh, Mohali and team. Um, I've got to, well two questions. The first would be, um, could you perhaps, if you if you think three years ahead, um, what do you think will be your your biggest challenges with respect to the uh, infra infrastructure fund? Um, I think Ajith has touched on some of the the issues that you've got. You know, dealing with different organs of state and you know the, the traditional PPP type models and the issues around that. Or will you do you think it might be political buying specifically at, at, at different levels of state? Um, if you can just expand on that. And secondly, if you could perhaps give us a bit more color around um, how the infrastructure fund has been received by foreign investors um, specifically. Because um, you know, I do think it would be fair to say that domestic financial institutions would be quite, quite keen to, to support the program. Um, but as we know, we do need foreign savings, and, and you guys have mentioned it. If you could just give us a sense of that, and specifically when I when I mentioned foreign foreign investors, it would be the non-development foreign investors. So I would um, private private funds, private investors. Thank you so much. And uh, and Avi. Thanks, Riz. Um, th thanks everyone for a very comprehensive and transparent presentation and answering of questions. Um, my question is quite specific on the healthcare space. It, it is one that you touched on as a focus area. Um, perhaps if you could share some of your thoughts around what type of infrastructure would be required um, for the South African healthcare sector. I mean, I've always been of the view that tertiary, tertiary healthcare is quite expensive, but we have a very uh, um, a large dependency on tertiary in South Africa and, and our primary healthcare system can still improve a lot. Thank you. Okay, th uh, thanks, um, so Mahali and team. That's uh, the two questions for now, and then we'll, we'll uh, wait uh, for the other clients and for more questions. Okay, no, thanks a lot. I think uh, around the challenges ahead, uh, Flora will handle that, and uh, Ajith will touch on the attraction of international uh, you know, investors beyond the DFIs. And on the health side, Alan will deal with it, starting with Flora. Thanks, Mahale. Um, Walter, um, can, can we be more positive? 
<laughs> I'm sure uh, three years down the line, we 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 hoping to see the rollout of um, infrastructure, a large infrastructure projects uh, different to what we see today, definitely. And I think uh, to what my colleagues have alluded to, um, you know, uh, the infrastructure funds mandate to be innovative uh, alleviates pressure from the fiscus. Um, project finance as we know it uh you know it can't be business and as usual for us uh primarily because we have to accelerate implementation of these projects um and and time is not on our side so so um just to touch on uh, or, or elaborate on 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 a Glaring challenge, which is really stakeholders. I think that's a big one for us, uh, uh, Walter. Um, I think, uh, you know, with the Infrastructure Development Act having, uh, you know, been been uh, put in place, and I think you are aware that there have been certain strategic integrated projects that have been gazetted under that act. Um, they've been uh, 62 to date, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, some some examples being the student housing infrastructure project, uh, some of the water projects that TCTA is rolling out. And I think, uh, you know, to benefit uh, from the Infrastructure Development Act, there's, there's certain, um, uh, the risk mitigation program also uh, uh, is was one of the projects or programs uh, pub published under the Infrastructure Development Act. And I think what that act seeks to do is um, is uh, really shorten the timeframes within which authorizations, consents uh, for REAP, for example, or under the RMP IPP program, water use licenses and uh, EIAs, etc. You know, instead of looking at 107 days, uh, the Infrastructure Development Act requires that any SIP that is gazetted benefits from a shorter timeframe in getting those consents and authorizations. So you're looking at about 57 days. Now, having said that, um, each, uh, for example, if we look at the water use license, the National Water Act may have uh, uh, different prescribed timeframes as what's the Infrastructure Development Act. So there is uh, the need to align our stakeholders in 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 those uh, provincial or, or local institutions. Uh, if if there is a SIP and there's a water use license required, you know that they they give the necessary uh, accelerated accelerated time frame in that regard. So that alignment with um, within the public sector uh, uh, stable, so to speak, is also something uh, that we are working on. And I think the infrastructure South Africa is is the gateway and the entity that is to assist to unblock uh, regulatory challenges, but also assist with uh, the collaboration of stakeholders across the public sector. Um, and I mean, having said that, I think there is, uh, you know, policy and other regulatory reform, uh, which we anticipate uh, that ESA is our uh, primary partner. Uh, as, as you know, or as, as Yako had mentioned, we are a creature of a memorandum of agreement. ISA is, is a primary important party and, and you know, and, and their role in assisting us with that is, is, is crucial. So, so definitely uh, unblocking policy uh, and legislative uh, um, challenges. 
Um, I think um, Sheila mentioned uh, PPPs and I think some of the other uh, audience members mentioned how long it takes to roll out um, infrastructure projects traditionally and PPPs we know it takes about give or take five to seven years and I think um, with our mandates in place and the need to uh, support government departments in the various stages of the infrastructure value chain um, um, you know that that's that's the expertise uh, to a system with that and 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 to roll out projects in in due course. Um, I, I think that's really a big challenge that comes to top of mind, uh, Walter, um, um, specifically stakeholder management and unblocking uh, legislative and, and regulatory reform. Thanks. Thank, uh, thank you, Mohale. Um, um, Ajit, uh, apologies. Sorry, Mohale. Um, can I just, uh, sorry, Mohale just actually triggered uh, a thought process. Apologies, Ajit. Um, Walter, another, I think we dealt with challenges that we foresee or we perceive on the public sector side. I think uh, on, on, on coming to the private sector side, I, the, uh, based on the question that was asked uh, by uh, Jonas and, and another uh, uh, Jones, sorry, and, and another 
audience member on the government guarantees and you know whether that landscape looks sort of similar as what has been used to historically government being an insurer of last resort i think that you know we've had a number of roadshows and collaboration exercises with the private sector uh, you know we've we've been to netbank apsa and other commercial banks as well as in- institutional investors uh, you know the asisa uh, basa associations to try and uh, have an engagement and and soundboarding in terms of innovative solutions as to how we roll these projects and programs and i think it's uh, the private sector has a big role to play in that uh, you know and i'd like to reiterate it's not project finance as we know it and i think any replacement mechanisms in terms of traditional government guarantees government support uh, you know and introducing new products uh, yeah, but maybe Ajit can come in uh, with the, his answer. Ajit, thank, th- thank you, Mohalit um, and and Rizwana. Um, you know, just to pick up from where Flora was around the the government guarantee, and if I may share my view on on on, on that government guarantee issue. So, you know, one of our uh, requirements as the IF is also to make sure that infrastructure is delivered, and we also uh, stimulate the economy. I think one of the key drivers of um, infrastructure delivery in the country is premised on uh, the, the general economy revival. And if you look at what the rating agencies have consistently put on the table is government debt. And I think it's important that in considering infrastructure projects, we, we bear in mind that the, the requirement for a government guarantee uh, sometimes has the collateral damage of increasing government debt, which has a broader implication on the, on the economy. And that's something to be mindful of. And I think what we've also gotten accustomed to is the, the use of the government guarantee as being a catch-all for, 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 for all types of risks. My, my colleague Flora has, has very neatly in, uh, you know, uh, led this conversation thus far that um, it can't be project finance as normal. It can't be infrastructure finance as normal. I think the challenge for advisors, law firms, financiers is to start looking at risk and risk allocation uh, as, as to what it really is and try and mitigate those risks specifically and not generally through the use of government guarantees. Uh, Flora also touched on our engagement with uh, the, the investment community. So, so Walter, coming to your question, our, our approach on tapping the 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 financial ecosystem is largely driven by uh, speaking to industry bodies uh, within South Africa, that is. So uh, we, whilst we've spoken to many individual role players, individual banks, individual asset managers, etc., we have coordinated some of our conversations via the likes of ASIFA, and, and in that extent, uh, they have been superb in, in facilitating conversations, as well as with uh, the Banking Association. So. Um, at, at, at a commencement point, I think what we want to be is that we want to be transparent with the entire funding community and allow all participants in the funding uh, community an equal chance to consider and submit proposals to fund infrastructure. ASISA uh, did highlight that some of its membership are at different levels insofar as understanding early stage construction risk and and we've got to start thinking about how we solution for that as, an, as the CISA industry body, as well as individual more uh, experienced members, um, as well as the banking sector. The banking sector has been very, very supportive of what we want to do. But I'm going to come to these two institutions.
institutions in a minute. Um, I think the third point which is very important for us to bear in mind is that with the changes to Regulation 28, some may argue it hasn't gone too far. Some may argue that you know, there's more than enough room to, 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 for the pension fund industry to get involved. But we have commenced conversations with asset allocators, pension fund industry uh, participants to draw in the pension fund directly into uh, infrastructure projects. The infrastructure is a natural hedge for the long-dated obligations of pension funds. So it makes sense that that, that pool of capital locally be, be, be smartly uh, enticed into the infrastructure projects. Um, in relation to the offshore uh, uh, pools of capital water, the, the one that I won't talk about is the, the DFI community. Safe to say that the international DFIs out of you know, uh, across the, the, the jurisdictions have been very, very supportive, have committed to the infrastructure fund resources, uh, people, uh, and assistance where required. And I guess we will now test them on the projects that as and when they, we, they brought to market. Um, and so far, what has been interesting uh, is that th we have fielded, um, uh, what's the word, interest from large global fund managers to consider putting in funding through equity instruments or near-equity instruments for projects given the long-dated nature of our infrastructure projects. So domestically, most definitely, the, the, the interest is, is phenomenal and we're grateful for that. But internationally, insofar as the fund community is concerned, I think there is increased uh, or renewed appetite or look-see into what is happening within the South African infrastructure landscape. And I think testament must be born to, to bear for what we've done in the IPP space. I think the success of the IPP has laid phenomenal uh, groundwork or has laid good foundations for us to look at uh, infrastructure differently in the country. Um, but what I must emphasize is that what many of the participants who we speak to raise is project preparation, that in the past projects have not been as successful or reached the milestones it should have reached because of poor project preparation. And to that end, you know, uh, project preparation is getting renewed focus. We've got some phenomenal people in the project prep team within the DBSA um, and I think within ESA as well. So that focus is becoming very, very key in order to attract capital both domestically and internationally. And, and this can't be cliched, but the reality is that some of the IPP projects have have actually been very successful, largely because of the good governance and good corporate governance of those uh, projects. Um, and I think it's important that whilst I touched on procurement, general corporate governance around project entities um, and the, the corporate health and the corporate governance health of those entities become more necessary and more relevant now more than ever. Uh, we do believe that there is a premium that, that, that attaches to projects which have good corporate governance, and that ha is the focus for um, the infrastructure fund in the implementation of um, projects and infrastructure projects in particular. I hope I have answered your question, Walter. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Uh, very comprehensive. Appreciate Flora, Jeet, and uh, I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> thanks, thanks Thanks, Rizwana. It's uh, Alan here. Um, so, Avi, I, I heard your question on, on healthcare, um, and I think 
that's a that's a quite a big question. So we 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 either have a, a four-hour answer or or a shortish answer. So uh, let me start with a short one and um, and see if we can pick it up from there. Um, so in addressing healthcare, uh, you know, we we're looking at it from a programmatic approach. We we're not looking at it uh, at it at this stage uh, specific projects. Uh, we are looking to align our programmatic approach with the uh, five-year strategy that the health department has, and they do have a strategy which includes the execution of infrastructure um, for this. Um, and how the balance of tertiary and primary healthcare is implemented uh, will be determined somewhat by how the program addresses the strategic goals of the Department of Health. Um, but I think an important um, driver in 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 rolling out uh, healthcare infrastructure is probably going to be how infrastructure supports the national health insurance uh, um, goals and and uh, initiatives there. And what we would certainly want to try and drive um, as quickly as possible through the infrastructure fund and through developing uh, healthcare uh, facilities and infrastructure is how we support the rollout of the NHR going forward. Um, so that would be something that we would look at, and that may uh, determine how we prioritize uh, tertiary healthcare infrastructure uh, against primary or vice versa. Um, and, you know, once we, we've got that perspective, then I, I believe we would be able to sort of package uh, specific projects where uh, the infrastructure fund would look to uh, drive the blended financing solution, uh, looking at how, how um, private sector can get involved um, and how we can then build up um, a portfolio of, uh, of infrastructure uh, assets around this. Um, we also don't want to ignore... Um, existing infrastructure. There is a portfolio out there. Um, there's a lot. There, well, there's some new, very, very new infrastructure that's uh, that's being built, um, and some very old infrastructure. And then there's some areas which which aren't addressed at all, um, with very limited infrastructure availability. Um, so we would need to look at all of these things and, and balance them up, um, and work out then how we would assist the Department of Health in executing their plan. Um, and what projects would come first and, and, and which ones would come next. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, quite general uh, and quite simple, but uh, uh, that's, that's how we're looking at it at this point. Yeah, maybe Thanks I can much, add there, uh, Rich, yeah, to say that, in fact, it's, it's not just the health uh, infrastructure that we are looking at, it's uh, the social infrastructure as a whole, uh, which would include education, uh, as well. And really the idea at a simplistic level is to say uh, infrastructure is needed today, there are backlogs today. How do you leverage future allocations uh, so that you can build the infrastructure today? So that's what Alan and uh, uh, ISA colleagues and uh, Project Prep uh, are working on as a model uh, because there's agency around that model. It's not complicated. Uh, the major issue is uh, can uh, we be able to ring fence, you know, future allocations uh, in lieu of, uh, you know, capital raise today to implement. Thank you. Um, I'm not sure whether there are further questions, but I maybe just have a couple on my side here. Um, in terms of the infrastructure fund, again, uh, the, the scope, so you've indicated uh, various um, uh, organs of the state, municipalities, provincial and national department uh, projects that that um, you would uh, seek to support. 
Historically, what we've been seeing is that um, municipalities receive an infrastructure grant from, from the budget, from National Treasury, but they don't uh, end up spending the full um, allocation, uh, perhaps because there's uh, capacity issues within the smaller municipalities or uh, there's a lack of project management in some of the municipalities. So would the infrastructure fund team come in to help some of the smaller municipalities with that? Or is that... Um, is that is the support for for smaller municipalities somewhere else in government um, in terms of the infrastructure grants that uh, that are provided by national treasury um, and then my second quest question would be um, with regards to how um, the infrastructure fund exists um, uh, um, or, or works with Invest SA, and then we've got Operation Bulent Lela within National Treasury. So we have a, a couple new uh, uh, new teams, uh, I guess, within government that are all uh, sort of helping to unlock um, investment and infrastructure spending, and uh, and 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 help with um, structural reforms within the economy. So how so do you, do you work um, with these? teams um no thank you uh, i think the first one will give it to uh, victor around how we can support munis and so on and then i can handle this one just now around isa and uh, uh, operation Bulinger. i think as we showed on the slide isa is a is a partner through the Memorandum of Agreement, Infrastructure South Africa, uh, and as well as National Treasury. So we have a tripartite uh, Memorandum of Agreement, which is the basis of uh, the establishment of the Infrastructure Fund. And uh, one of the key roles of Infrastructure South Africa is to develop the National Infrastructure Plan, which will have uh, you know, a, a number of uh, strategic projects, you know, that if implemented would uh, really move the needle from a, an economic growth and uh, development impact uh, perspectives. So that's their key role. Uh, and flowing from there as well, as Flora mentioned, around the Infrastructure Development Act, expediting the, you know, the 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 implementation process where there are blockages that's their role as well and uh, to the extent that operation bulindela you know could uh, play a role also in the infrastructure space there is a potential to collaborate because uh, this one is responsible for all sectors of the economy not just infrastructure that's operation bulindela so in isa we have really a dedicated uh, authority that has just been created with the sole purpose of really coordinating infrastructure development uh, in South Africa. And I uh, attended to that would be issues relating to which projects are prioritized, what are the blockages, how do you crowd in partners. And in fact, the infrastructure fund is an implementation instrument of government through ESA. So there's that natural uh, you know, a symbiosis between IF and uh, and and, and uh, infrastructure South Africa, and the relationship is quite strong. We are really aligned. Uh, we are both new, and uh, we are working the path uh, together. You know, in our formative uh, stages. Uh, I'll allow maybe with you maybe being satisfied with this question, 
allow Mr. Ben Victor to come in. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, thanks, uh, uh, Mohale. I think the the issue of underspending of capital grants in government is not just with um, small municipalities. It is a problem uh, in general, um, and it, it's mainly due to various factors such as um, program management, uh, contracting, uh, and also the capacity to implement the the infrastructure program. And in some instances, it's because the rate of fiscal allocations for those grants actually exceeds the capacity to spend uh, within those municipalities. Now, in terms of linking this with the infrastructure fund, we, we need to remember that the infrastructure fund will mostly consider applications for projects as they come through. And then once we pick out that there could be instances where we need to support then we we then uh, through the national treasury budget process there's a reference for project preparation and so forth however i want us to always remember that with the if because of the blending requirement there there should mostly always be the capacity to be able to borrow as well as the capacity to repay the debt that could result from the transaction that comes in there so normally as with most banks, it will be transactions with uh, municipalities who have those uh, revenue streams to be able to um, uh, repay. However, if there's a program that comes through, I don't think we will check it out to say, we will look at it to say how does it work in terms of uh, structuring. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to say that it is a general problem. It's not just with um, with small municipalities. Thank you. No, thanks, Victor. And just to add that actually we have a number of projects in the water sector that are currently under preparation and it's also public knowledge. Uh, they, they, are, they are part of the SONA and uh, the budget speech by the minister. They are currently in preparation and uh, to Victor's point, these projects are located in municipalities, but to the extent that in those municipalities you have uh, mines and industry that would uh, be part of the off-takers. And then you have communities that would uh, depend on, you know, government to provide, you know, uh, the, the, the water or even electricity. There's one project. We, we then could be, you know, blending those pro, uh, projects via, you know, the IF uh, structure uh, where government would contribute for the social use and we leverage, you know, the, the the part that is underpinned by, you know, private sector uh, users. Yeah, so there's that uh, initiative ongoing. Hopefully next year around this time, we should be seeing those projects uh, having been prepared. They are currently under our colleagues in the project prep division. Uh, thank you. Okay, Th thanks so much, uh, Mohale and the the broader infrastructure fund team. I'm not sure if there's any um, other comments or questions on um, from anybody on the call. Uh, Walter Jones, um, do you have any closing comments before we, we end the call? Okay, um, so in terms of, uh, uh, so we've reached almost the end of our, of our, our conversation with the infrastructure fund team.
On behalf of uh, NetBank CIB Markets Research Division, we'd like to thank uh, the whole team for making themselves available uh, and really fleshing out a lot of the um, the, the questions uh, that we've had uh, on the call, as well as Piaco um, and Mohali for the presentation that they've put together. If there are further questions and comments, uh, and with your uh, with uh, with uh, with your approval, Mohale and the team, uh, we, we you know you, c you can always send us an email um, and and you know we can always facilitate the engagement uh, with the infrastructure fund team themselves. Uh, but thanks so much for 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 sort of highlighting and introducing yourselves as a new team, as a new sort of organ uh, of state uh, within DBSA. Um, trying to uh, change the landscape of um, SA infrastructure. Uh, perhaps over the next five years, we'll be uh, speaking and engaging more often with regards to the developments uh, that you've been um, um, working on uh, between now and then. Uh, but thank you all for attending. We will uh, uh, send through the, the meeting uh, recording as well as the presentation material um, afterwards for those that uh, could not attend and for you to look through um, even afterwards. Thanks so much.